Hey there, my name is Kim, and this is my podcast, Power Up Your Performance. I believe that we have the power to rewrite our stories, change the trajectory of our lives, pour love into the world, conquer monumental challenges, and that movement can be a catalyst for change. Let's grow together. Welcome to Power Up Your Performance. Hey, hey, welcome to the show. Today we are talking about resilience. It's a topic I've thought a lot about over the last year and a half as we've all navigated the challenges of the pandemic. When I talked to today's guest back in May, it felt to me like we were on our way back out of to whatever normal was going to look like. Restaurants and stores had started taking down their plexiglass barriers. We got back to normal capacity at most events and all the vacations we had planned a year ago were suddenly back on. So although we talk about emerging from this pandemic in the conversation, we talk about it like it's over, I and, and we know that right now it's not. Delta variant is sweeping the U.S. So I think that this is an especially relevant topic as school starts. I know we're all tired of talking about COVID and we're tired of the effects it's having on our lives and on our kids' lives. But because we are so fatigued by this, I think resilience is a really good thing to talk about right now. And even if you're tired of talking about it, it's not like it's a major thing we discuss in this podcast episode, but resilience is so important if you're unhappy or stressed or struggling or have any major thing going on in your life. So I think that what Amy has to say might give you a few things to think about and help you stay strong as you navigate whatever challenges you're facing right now. So here's who today's guest is. Her name is Amy DeLand, and Amy knows firsthand that it's not easy to tackle health issues alone, and that navigating the vast world of health and wellness can feel overwhelming. Health issues have run in her family for generations, and she has witnessed how a lack of support and resources can prolong issues to the point of devastating consequences. Because of her personal experience and perspective, she wakes up every day passionate about creating opportunities for people to create their best life by accessing proper support and resources. Her business, Emerge Thriving, helps remove the stigma surrounding mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health. And I'll show you how to connect with Amy in the show notes. I hope you enjoy this interview with Amy DeLand. Welcome to the show, Amy. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Thank you, Kim. I'm so glad to be here with you. So we're going to talk a little bit about resilience today. And I always find that anybody who has a topic that they share on the podcast always has some sort of a background for why this topic has become something that they're passionate about. So can you give us a little bit of background as to how you became interested in resilience and why this work is important to you. So my answer to that is it's really personal. So schizophrenia, alcoholism, anxiety, depression, PTSD, they all went in my family and not just my immediate family, but back generations and throughout generations. So although I didn't originally see myself as a health and wellness person, I'm now advocating for it and talking about things like self-worth and resilience 
because it has been an incredible part of my life and really working through the healing process. And it's been a really important part of my family's life journey too. And it's just a huge part of my why and what I do and how I show up. And it's a big part of how I continue to learn to care for myself is through resilience and deepening my understanding of self-worth. So that's a core of where that passion comes from and how I know that it's just this radically important part of how we can move through and overcome when it comes to challenges and deeply difficult life circumstances. And I feel like this is perfect timing for this topic because we're all right now emerging from a collective life situation that has caused, I think, all of us to become a little bit more resilient. What do you think? Yeah, I think the pandemic was experiences that people have had with it have been different, but there's so much that's unfolded in the past year, whether it's the pandemic or the social unrest, a lot of the important conversations that we're having on top of some of already the, some of the things that we're facing globally, like environmental change, there's the need to be resilient and the need to be able to care for ourselves is so important and paramount, not just in how we show up in our own lives and in our families' lives or our communities' lives or the people we work with, but just as a society to equip ourselves to navigate through those challenges, it really does root down to how we care for ourselves, how we talk to ourselves and our ability to heal uh, and to be resilient through those challenges. And so the pandemic is definitely very unique but this is absolutely a part of life is needing to be able to work through a lot of the challenges that we face. And oftentimes they're just incredibly unexpected. So how does resilience play into our ability to just maintain our overall health and wellness? So one thing I want to share is that when I'm sharing today, when I'm talking today about self-worth, resilience, or trauma, health and wellness, it's in part from personal experiences with resilience, but also from learning from experts along the way. So that's really where I'm pulling from here. And what I've learned is that cultivating resilience and laying the foundation for wellness, they go hand in hand. And when we care for ourselves and our overall well-being, that has an impact on our ability to move through incredibly difficult circumstances relationship dynamics, and more. So when we're caring for our physical health, for example, we're, have, we're increasing our bandwidth and setting a foundation that's going to aid us as we're thinking and feeling and moving through the nuances and dynamics of those challenges and how we're responding to those unexpected events. So I would say when we're thinking of resilience, our health and our wellness is one of the core aspects of our ability to heal and to recover from the things we go through in life. So to get a little personal and give you a personal example of this, I touched on this a little bit earlier, but so schizophrenia runs in my family. And one of the people that's affected by it has been my mother, which had a major impact in my life. And this is especially true because I was homeschooled from a young age. So there was no relief valve or any way to break away from the highly stressful 
and oftentimes unsafe environment that we were in, mentally, emotionally unsafe, primarily. So as an adult, I was in survival mode, um, just trying to make it through one day at a time, really. But I had a lot of anxiety and depression, and even for periods of time, suicidal ideology, just because the weight of life was so much, and I didn't really know how to process it. So it's just getting up and breathing and making it through the day. But when I learned to care for myself, and that's the trauma-informed therapy, and also nutritional self-care, understanding how I need to care for my body was a huge part of um, my resilience and well-being. It radically changed my life, my ability to be resilient, and my bandwidth for healing and recovery deepened, which is what has been aiding me in overcoming the challenges and the complications that so often come with life and continue to come with life. So what are some ways that we can cultivate resilience in our own lives? If somebody is like, yeah, you know, whatever it is, whatever life throws at me just always hits me hard and knocks me down. And I know that maybe I can improve on, need to improve in that area. What are some ways that we can all start just becoming more resilient. One of the biggest things that's had an impact in my life. And when I hear others talking about resilience and self-worth, this comes up a lot in it on a root level. The foundation is the way we talk to ourselves. When we're walking through life every day, talking down to ourselves, shooting on ourselves, we're creating a breeding ground for limiting beliefs. And we're putting emotional and mental roadblocks in place. So every thought that we're having is either helping us, encouraging us, or it's setting one more roadblock in place that makes it difficult for us to see our worth, our value, and possible paths forward. Of course, this has an impact on how we show up, who we are in professional environments, and who we are personally too as parents and in our friendships, and in our relationships. So when we take a closer look at limiting beliefs, oftentimes we'll find that they stem from our childhood. Beliefs that were instilled in us at a very early age that may still influence how we feel and think about our lives today. So this is where that healing and working, if you're someone like myself, and a lot of people have trauma, varying levels of trauma, this is a, a part of the human experience. So working with a trauma-informed therapist can be incredibly helpful in identifying the root of the limiting belief or the thought. So then it can be dismantled. And when it's dismantled, then a new and correct belief and understanding about ourselves can then be a established. And it can be really hard, if not impossible, to fix what we don't acknowledge. So creating space and opportunity for personal growth and healing is crucial. And it's just, it will absolutely change your life. It's deeply worth it for you and for everyone around you too. So what about people who are like, I don't have any limiting beliefs because everybody has limiting beliefs that they might not even be aware of. Can you give us some examples or that maybe come to mind of limiting beliefs that people might not even 
know that they have or areas of your life where you might have a limiting belief that you don't even aren't even aware of? Absolutely. And I, and I relate to that because <laughs> you might not even know what does a limiting belief look like or feel like, or how does it manifest? I'll give you an example of a very recent one for me. So I am working with a trauma-informed therapist. I've been in therapy for most of my adult life and I'm continuing to go on that healing journey. It's a part of life. It'll be a lifelong unfolding for me and for many others too. And one of the things that I'm learning is when I have, when I am stuck, so maybe procrastinating or um, holding back, or maybe not feeling like I can be my true self or my authentic self. What I recently learned and understood was that rooted back to as a child, one of the ways that I survived or got through was to really be as invisible as possible. Fade into the background. Don't say too much, do too much, be too much. Don't pull attention to yourself because the way for you to really make it through is to just barely exist. And so that looks like maybe not having the ability to express your opinions, your needs, your boundaries, speaking, not really having the ability to speak up for yourself. There's so much that gets suppressed your creativity, your self expression. So then, as an adult, if I'm procrastinating, I might have the tendency to want to go, oh, you need to get it together. You need to stop procrastinating. You can do this. You have all the tools to do this. Why aren't you doing this? And act as if Amy to adult is a completely separate human being from Amy, the child. So the limiting beliefs, the ways that I was trying to cope and survive in life as a child, there's still very much a part of how I'm showing up today. And when I can identify that and make that correlation, then I can resolve that. I can heal that and realize I am in a safe environment now. I can express myself. I can set boundaries. I can learn to do all of these things and I can implement them in my life. And so that might be an example of how maybe you're just stuck and you don't know why you're stuck. It's just a maybe an issue or a roadblock that's manifesting, but you don't know why. And then when you start to get into the details of the why is where you start to realize where the limiting, limiting belief or where coping mechanism that helps you get through life before is maybe not so much of a help now. And we need to reframe and find a new way of being, thinking, feeling. Mm -hmm. I think it's a really good example. I know somebody who always used to just doubt herself constantly. And it was always, I'm so stupid, or I can't do that, or apologizing. I'm so, I'm so sorry. I'm, I just can't. And when you started digging into it, it was because how certain people had talked to her over the years and made her doubt herself. And so then anytime she came into the slightest bit of struggle, it was, I'm so stupid. And that was her default. So I think that's a really good example of, you might not even realize that is a limiting belief because maybe nobody's, you don't even know what a limiting belief is and nobody's pointed that out and how that influences the way you make all your decisions. Exactly. And it's so powerful when you recognize it about yourself. And instead of shooting, have some compa some compassion for yourself and just ask the question, why do I feel this way? And allow yourself to explore what the answer is or seek out someone who can help you explore. But if you were just to start shooting on yourself, then you would get in this cycle. You would never really resolve it and never really break free and never really be able to create the change that you so desperately need and deserve to have 
just by going, oh, I should be better than this and limiting it that. And that's now you have two problems. One, the limiting belief. And then the second one, the way you're treating yourself as you're going through life. Yeah, I agree. So I think that ties back then to self-worth. Talk a little bit for us about what is self-worth and then maybe how or why we need to look at self-worth a little bit differently. So there's a couple of things in this is part of my personal experience. And then also what I've learned from others as well. So we're told that our worth is tied to our ability to perform, that our values based on our contributions and our intelligence in what we can achieve. And this thought process is reinforced over and over. And a couple of examples are an educational system where our ability to perform on a one size fits all test assessment standard that determines how well we're doing and what we're capable of. It can even be considered as an indicator of our capacity and our likelihood for future success. So the weight of how we do within that system can feel really heavy, really important, and really defining. Another example is the pressures of religion that can shape the way we view ourselves in positive ways, but also in ways that might influence whether we how we habitually show up for ourselves. Are we going to show love and compassion or judgment? Is that, is that our default for how we do we judge ourselves and others as a default? Where did we learn that? And then not to mention our deep need to receive love and acceptance by others, especially our parents. And that can compel us to continually look outward for that validation and confirmation of our worth. So it's a complicated, nuanced, and dynamic conversation that can't really be fully tackled in a one-hour conversation here. But the core truth is that there's many different ways that we're taught that our value is determined by what we do, how we perform, and how we measure up to the expectations of others. So when we accept that we have inherent value as humans, that allows us the breathing room to be ourselves. And it helps us understand we're inherently worthy of love, forgiveness, joy, well-being. We do not have to earn our worth. It is a fundamental an inseparable part of who we are. And when we operate from that belief system, it swings the doors wide open for healing and really nourishing ourselves, nourishing our relationships and showing the younger people in our lives how to care for themselves and how to define their worth, how to understand their value as they go forward in life too. And a lot of when we're talking about generational trauma, That's really the behaviors, the thought patterns that are passed down from one generation to the next. So that limiting belief of thinking that our worth is tied to what we do and how we perform, when that's changed for the new and correct belief that we have inherent value, that is a generational change that we can make when we're passing down, when we're raising our kids. So they have a better foundation for their own health and healing, their own self-expression, their own understanding of their value 
which honestly sets the foundation for setting healthy boundaries, for understanding the power of forgiveness, forgiving yourself that you're worthy of that self-forgiveness and learning, although it's a complicated conversation, learning how to forgive others and others value too, but that's a complicated conversation. So I'll leave it at that for now, but it really sets the stage, having that core understanding of what self-worth is, your self-worth and the worth of others. And I think it's an interesting conversation also, just because of the time that we are recording. And right now we're recording this kind of heavy into graduation weekend Mm -hmm. timeframe. And I was at a brunch the other day with a bunch of moms and we were talking about how One of the girls had just graduated and in our school district, at least there is such heavy pressure for the high academic achievement and to be going to that fancy school. And her daughter was still undecided and she's graduated. School's going to start in the fall. She doesn't, she just barely has started applying to college and she doesn't know what she wants to do. And At graduation, when they have all those senior nights where they make a big deal and announce where everybody's going to go, or you're posting your picture with the t-shirt of the school you're going to go to, the girl said to her, mom, can I just make something up and we'll just put something down for now? And her mom, no, we can't. But I think that kind of goes back to there's all this pressure in your, what you're telling yourself about your value who you are, what you're making up all these stories based on what other people's values and you, whether it's your school district or society or the other kids in your class. And I think that's just another example of how can we learn? What do we, what are some tools that we can use to learn not to place so much value in what other people think? So I think so. I'm just going to, I'm going to speak directly. So when we're talking about our self-worth and this is really all under the umbrella of resilience too, right? Because we're trying to really aid ourselves in being able to get, not get through life. I'm going to, I'm going to reframe that, embrace life, move through life and all of its ups and downs. So I know that it can be really difficult when we're making a change in our life and how we treat ourselves and how we think about things, because maybe we have such a habit in place about how we show up, how we think. And then like you mentioned, we can, those, those habits can be reinforced by the people around us, how they're talking to us, the expectations they have for us. And so it can be really difficult to create change sometimes at first. So I think the thing that I would say and what helped me is to start small. So one of the things that helped me when I was just trying to figure out how do I cultivate self-worth, this feels like walking through mud. And one of the things that really helped was simple acts of self-care. So getting out and walking, I have a a dog that I love and adore and brings a lot of comfort and joy and happiness to my life, getting out with him in nature, learning how to care for myself. So getting the proper nutrients, this sounds so boring, maybe not to you because (laughs) you are who you are, but for my thing too, but yeah, I get it. Yeah. (laughs) But for me, it was like, oh no, 
I don't want to talk about that, but I do want to be well. And so I learned magnesium helps you sleep. Well, when you sleep, you feel a whole lot better the next day, taking different things. Another thing I take is St. John's wort and some other things that really help manage cortisol levels, supplements like that, and just overall vitamins. So having vitamins and a smoothie that I have every day, which is was a break fear for me to start doing that, but it had a huge impact. So when I started to do that, I started to feel well. And then when I had the trauma-informed therapy and was starting to tackle some of these limiting beliefs, that's a little bit of a heavier step, but that really started to set a foundation for understanding who I was, what I had gone through, some of the beliefs that I had in place and why things were so hard sometimes. Otherwise, it was just easier for me to talk down on myself and say, everybody else seems like they can do it. They seem like they can get through this. Why am I not able to do this? Why am I stuck? So setting that foundation of self-care made it, it was a really powerful place to start, even though it really was small, it was small changes. The other thing that really helped me is looking at the influences that I allowed in my life. So curating the content that I consume on social media, is this uplifting? Because if I'm on social media multiple times a day that I'm getting an uplifting boost or I'm feeling really pulled down and I feel like I'm fighting against something. It's one more the downer that I have to really like work through, but it's such a habit in place to check it. So you can really get pulled in. Same with TV and mute. If you're listening to things that are uplifting and really motivating, it can completely change how you feel and how you show up. But if not, it can really be something that isn't maybe the positive influence that you need to when we're, com- when we're talking about being resilient and caring for yourself. But does it cause feelings of chaos and stress or, or is it reinforcing positive ideas about who you are? And then also so for them from that deeper perspective, the setting healthy boundaries, the receiving re- the support we need to heal, nurturing our relationship with ourselves. These are deeply powerful ways that we can heal and re- place false ideas about our worth. And I know we touched on forgiveness before, but that is a game changer. Sometimes the greatest pains that we carry are things that we've experienced at the hands of others or the things that we've said or done that have harmed others. So forgiveness, it doesn't mean just because I have a deep personal history with forgiveness, both in receiving forgiveness and giving forgiveness. And so just to be clear that forgiveness doesn't have the power to make what happened okay or acceptable, but it does have the power to help us heal and move forward in our lives. So sometimes those limiting beliefs that we carry that are so heavy for us are from unhealed wounds from our childhood or from our adulthood that are causing us to believe that we're not worthy or deserving of healthy love and attention. So we accept that unhealthy relationship instead. So when we choose to begin to heal and acknowledge the full impacts of what we're forgiving, it opens that door for understanding who we are today and the decisions we're making. And then when we have that understanding, there's a natural opportunity there to create change. So it's it's a multi-layered conversation, self-worth, and there's so much that really uh, plays into it, but you can start small and it will really set a foundation and make a big difference. And you can go as deep as you want and really radically change your life. Yeah, I think that's big. So I want to go back to just something I'm 
a theme maybe that I'm picking up mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of places where we could make changes to help ourselves feel better or be more productive or just be more resilient. But I think it's important also to remind people that you don't have to make sweeping life changes. That And I can't remember whose book this is from, but the person that talks about how if you just try to become 1% better day after day mm-hmm. or 1% better week after week, if you do that day after day, you'd be 365% better by the end of the year. So you don't have to do massive things, but if you did just a bunch of small things daily over time, these self-care things and these mindset shifts will start to help you feel better. Do you have any thoughts on that? I wholeheartedly agree. And I've been in therapy and thinking about these things and working on these things for so long. But when I really was first starting out and in the very beginning stages, one of the simplest things I did that was just really life-changing was when I felt myself making a negative comment about myself, you talking down to myself, I would have a physical habit that I used to break that thought pattern. So if I was sitting and I could stand, I would stand and I'd begin to walk. Or if I was listening to music, I changed the song, anything to just shift the mood, shift the thought process, shift the pattern. And at first I needed that that habit to catch it, to be able to identify it and dismantle it and stop it in its tracks so that I wouldn't go into a spiral of how I was talking to myself and create more feelings of um, depression and anxiety on top of a physical imbalance. There was also this thought process and this emotional process that I was having compounding my uh, anxiety and my depression. So creating that habit really helped me break out of that. And it took time. Like you're saying, sometimes it's something small and simple, and it's going to take time to be able to practice that. But now I, it's so much easier for me to really uh, have a better relationship with myself because those habits are in place. And I'm not, rather than spiraling, I'm able to just pivot and get back on track into a healthier state of mind much easier. So that allows me the bandwidth to think about deeper things like forgiveness and to tackle those with the help and support of a therapist. And I think it's also important, the thing you were talking about, all of the input that you get, whether it's your music or or social media or the people you spend time with, just all of that stuff compounded can really make or break just your thoughts and your mindset and the negative things that you're saying about yourself. But if you're also surrounding yourself with those positive influences, I think it really can also help you get into some of those more positive habits. If you, if your whole family sits around and watches television, eating a bunch of junk food, you're more likely to eat the junk food. Or if, I don't know, you have a friend that you go walk with over lunch every day, that's going to become more of your habit. You just become more like the input that you have. Mm-hmm. And if you do choose to have that junk food, not shooting on yourself all along the way, but then realizing it's not something that's really going to help you in the long term. And so they're going, okay, that was a fun Friday. What can I do on this Monday that's going to help me be ready for the challenges ahead? Walking with that uplifting friend who's going to encourage me. That really is the thing to do. So I agree with you. I like those Friday nights, but I treasure them. the Monday walk with a friend. It's really what makes life 
joyful and easier to get through those challenges to have those healthier support systems in place. And I think the same for social media too. If you cannot completely break your social media habit, maybe you start unfriending or muting accounts that have more of that negative energy so that you're not constantly exposing yourself to them and finding social media accounts by uplifting podcasters or whatever it is, your church or wherever it is that you get those positive messages and getting more of that stuff into your feed also, I think is another, it's just another step that you can take to start getting more positive positivity into your life. I agree. And that's actually something that it took the pandemic for me to do that. (laughs) You would think that this would have been something that I would have done years ago, but I think I had too much of a bandwidth for just whatever would come out on the feed. It was like, Mm -hmm. it is what it is. And then the pandemic happened and I thought, no, this isn't, (laughs) this is not going to be, it is what it is. I need to like reduce this, the chaos and the stress and there's too much going on here. And I really need to curate this. So just like you said, That's exactly what I did. I looked at what is, what am I getting out of this and really started to curate it. And I swapped things from just news feeds to joining groups about hiking in nature in the area. Or this is going to sound silly, but there's groups about house plants. I love house plants or birds or things like that. Mm -hmm. So simple. Or there's a highly sensitive person group where people can share resources that help them. So if there's a personal trait that you have and you're looking for like-minded people and you're looking for a healthy group, just to share ideas and support, that's also a way that you can get connected to something that's healthier and adds meaning to your life. Mm-hmm. I like those examples too, because I think that you are more resilient when you have support. And so that also gives you a source of positivity, but it also gives you some another way to start building a support network. So I, I love like that. that. Yeah. So as people start to put in place all of these things that we're talking about, what are the ultimate benefits? What are some of the, what's the impact of starting to restore your self-worth? I think honestly, the impact is limitless. It's deep and it's wide and it's going to show up in your life and more places that you could ever expect. It's going to impact how you show up at work, how you're interacting with other people, how you set boundaries, the type of relationships you allow in your life the way you speak to your kids or your partner or your family member, the decisions that you make, what you think you are worthy of and what you will pursue in doing and creating for your life is huge. And one of the biggest things too is not just how it changes our life, but how it sets things in motion in a positive direction for uh, people around us. It will impact others. When you understand your worth and it starts to manifest in your life and how you show up, people will see the power of that and it will impact, positively impact others that are close to you and your family or like you mentioned in church and beyond. It is It can be a very powerful thing. And when you have that healthy foundation and that healthy sense of self-worth, knowing that you are inherently worthy that can really motivate you and drive you to do things you never thought you could or that you were worthy of or that were possible for you. 
So if, if people have heard something here today that they're like, oh yeah, that's interesting. What are some types of resources that you recommend where people could go to learn more, including any that you might have? So I, one of the, the things, and I know we've talked about this a couple of times, but it really does root down to this. I, uh, working with a, either a nutritionist or a naturopath, there's in the Seattle area, best year clinic for natural health is one. And I know that there are many around the U.S. where you can work with someone who can really help understand the thing about naturopaths is they help you understand what is needed from not just a physical standpoint, but from your mental and your emotional. And I think maybe you stop just short of spiritual health, but they're really looking at your overall health and wellness and how you're doing and what your lifestyle habits are and what changes that you can make from a simple achievable place. So nothing too crazy or overwhelming, but really helping you identify some simple changes that you can make that will really get that foundation going. So it may sound like this big, heavy step to take, but it really can be very simple and very life-changing. And it really starts with just working with someone who has um, that background and that understanding. The other thing that's been incredibly helpful for me is in tackling those limiting beliefs and creating change is trauma-informed therapy. And they, this is really important when you're working with a therapist that's trauma-informed because they can help you pretty efficiently remove the impacts of trauma from your body. So that example of looking back at some of the experiences that I had as a child and how that was showing up in my tendency for procrastination or fear, anxiety today as an adult, that was, that's just one session. And there was other things that we covered there too, that just completely opened up my world and how I saw myself and the compassion that I would show for myself and the decisions that I would make. It completely changed my perspective on it. Something I thought was broken or something that I thought was malfunctioned, I now understood as to be a coping mechanism or something that I had in place from a very young age that just didn't need to be there anymore. So I was able to really heal that. So those can sound so heavy, but just taking a simple step and just trying and setting up the time and the space to be able to explore that. This can really change the trajectory of your life in terms of how you see yourself, how you interact with yourself, and how you interact with others and the choices and the decisions that you make going forward. So it's well worth it, even if you feel like that's heavy and that's scary. I promise you that although there can be difficult moments, there is joy and there is healing and there is freedom on the other side. Some resources that are immediately helpful and have been helpful for me and understanding resilience, self-worth from a trauma informed perspective. Gabor Mate is an incredibly insightful person to listen to, and he gives a lot of practical information on healing trauma. There's lots of resources, some great talks on YouTube that have been really helpful. There's also another book called Emotional Sobriety and The Body Keeps the Score, which talks about the impacts of healing of some of the trauma that we go through and then healing it and how that can really change your life. It's life-changing resources. There's so much more and you can find more resources on emergethriving.com too. But just from a personal 
perspective as we're sharing in this conversation today, sharing from personal experience, those are the resources that I've leaned on and that have really helped me. And then you also have two podcasts. Do you want to tell us about your podcasts? Sure. I have a couple of podcasts. One is Wellness Design for Real Life, which talks about, it talks about life really is what it is through a a health and wellness perspective. So forgiveness, self-worth, how to care for ourselves, communication, setting boundaries, the things that we need to live a healthy life, to be well, and to navigate through challenges. Those are the conversations that we center and uplift. The second podcast is new and just launching, and it's the Wellness Providers Lounge, which is geared towards wellness providers and talking about how to navigate the world of business but not from a capitalistic perspective, from a human-centered, from a client-centered, from that community-centered point of view. How do we care for ourselves and show up as wellness providers to make a positive difference in the community? How do we do this practically and and, and tackling some hot topics and hard conversations too? Is there anything else that you wanted to make sure that you told us about that I forgot to ask about today? I think the only thing, the parting words that I would say to um, anyone listening, uh, my heart goes out to you for any of the challenges that you're facing that you have faced for the past year to two years. It's been a lot going on. And then the personal challenges that are unique to you in your own life, things that maybe the burdens and the weights that you're carrying that other people can't see or fully understand. The best thing I would say, and it's not the easiest thing to do, but it could be one of the most important things that you do. And it's being a good friend to yourself, the kind of friend that you would want to have in your corner when you're going through the greatest challenge of your life. Life is tough. Sometimes the challenges we face are very real and often pungent. So when we talk down to ourselves or when we allow pervasive doubts, fears to cloud our judgment, and we, when we let those limiting beliefs stay intact, unchallenged, then we're missing an opportunity to be the kind of friend that we need. And compassion, patience, understanding, all of these and more will help give us that space to be ourselves, to get the support we need to enjoy life as our authentic selves. So that's really what I would want to leave with someone. It's really think about that. Be the person you want to have in your corner. And that will make all the difference in allowing your self-worth to blossom and that natural resilience to be there when you need it most. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your experience with us. It was great to have you on the show. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for season four of Power Up Your Performance. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend, rate, review, and follow. Dream big and get out there and explore.